that's what you want to train yourself as the owner of this bus, as the boss who decides who should drive when. I mean, I, I guess you could say, or Steady Eddie, you know, bring Steady Eddie in to kind of think about it all. But really what we're trying to do is train ourselves as the owners of the bus to make wise decisions. And you can't really make wise decisions if you're an absentee owner and you're not paying attention who's driving and you don't know who drove the bus into a ditch or totally got lost off some meandering road instead of staying on the highway. You know, you want to know who did that. ADHD Rewired episode 183. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Join us every second Tuesday of the month at 12.30 p.m. Central Time, that's 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern, for ADHD Rewired's live Q&A. And I just made signing up even more ADHD friendly. Go to erictivers.com slash events, and you can go there once and register for the next six to eight live Q&As all at one time. So sign up once and you won't have to remember to register each time. You'll get automated email reminders and it'll even save it to your online calendar. I'll be answering your questions live. You can ask them in the Q&A box on Zoom. And if you've always wanted to be on a podcast, you can ask your question live. Just make sure you're in a quiet location. To register, go to erictivers.com slash events. That's erictivers.com slash events. Listener support comes in many forms. One way you could support ADHD Rewired is by helping me grow our Patreon community. Patreon allows people like you to give monthly financial contributions to content creators like me. If you value this podcast, the community, or our live events, and you'd like to give it back, consider giving a $5 a month donation and You'll also get cool perks like extra content not heard on the podcast. You'll also be able to see and watch the uncut videos of the interviews before they ever hit your podcast feed. Our first goal is to raise $1,400 to replenish our coaching group scholarship fund. We can do it with your help. Every little bit helps. You can donate a buck, three bucks, five bucks. I even have some premium perks where your name can be mentioned on the podcast. And for our biggest perk, you can co-host an episode with me. To make your first monthly contribution, go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash ADHD rewired. And thanks. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Bonnie Minku. Bonnie spent 23 years in Fortune 50 corporations as a marketing manager, training manager, executive coach, and organizational development consultant. 
She left her big five consulting firm in 2000 to do similar work on her own. But without the structure of fast-paced deadlines, she found herself floundering, avoiding her desk. She discovered to her surprise that she had ADHD and was so intrigued that she trained at ADD Coach Academy and built her business around coaching and training individual ADHD clients. Since starting Thrive with ADHD in 2001, Bonnie has developed a number of training tools and programs to help with ADD challenges and is particularly strong in breaking down processes into understandable how-to steps. She taught her full-day workshop on ADHD in the workplace at NYU for 10 years, has been an annual presenter at the Virtual ADHD Conference and ADHD Online Expo, and has designed and delivered extensive online training for ADHD over the last 16 years. We will talk about a little bit later. She's launching a new membership-based training program called ADD slash ADHD Productivity Pathfinder, a step-by-step system for ADHD mastery with anticipated to open. Here's some accountability. Now we're putting it out there. Anticipated opening September 2017. Bonnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, this is great. So I know that when we were first talking, one of the things that we were sort of when we were exploring, what what do you want to talk about? Because uh, I have I've seen you on other things online and uh, you were sort of on my list of people that why haven't I had you on the show yet? <laughs> so I'm glad that we are finally doing this. Well, this is good. And this is going to be a, a debut for me in the topic as well, because what I'd love to talk about is a concept that I came up with that I have not presented anywhere else. Ooh, exclusive. Heard yes. first here on ADHD Heard, heard Rewired. Yes, yes. And uh, this is a concept of a way of thinking of your brain and characters in your brain. And if you're ready, I can kind of go into it. Right yeah, now. yeah. So char- yeah. Right, I mean, we, we, right. love, we love stories. So you're talking about characters in your brain. Let's Let's dive right in. Okay. So imagine your brain as a bus, and it can be kind of a private bus because there are only eight characters that are going to be on this bus. So like charter bus or school bus, does it matter? Something like that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Not a huge Volkswagen bus, bus. but only eight characters. So it's not going to stop and let on others unless there are others that you're dying to, you know, to have of your own. You own the bus. You control the bus, theoretically. In reality any one of these characters might suddenly get up and decide to drive. With ADHD, very often, the character who decides to drive is not the character who should be driving. (laughs) The reason these characters, the reason I thought of them, is it, it really makes it easier to visualize exactly what's happening. And you want to know exactly what's happening if you want a solution for making that not happen. What happens very often with ADHD is we have kind of a general idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. We might use certain terms to describe it, but very often they aren't exactly accurate. For example, procrastination is a term that used to be used probably number one by people saying they procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Actually, they often, more often than not, were not procrastinating 
or saying, I don't feel like doing something, they were more often paralyzed and unable to start doing something for a number of different reasons. As long as someone was thinking they procrastinated, they would be looking for solutions for procrastination when that wasn't really the problem. Mm -hmm. Now I say used to be the big term because now overwhelm I think has surpassed procrastination Mm -hmm. as the biggest term I hear about. Overwhelm again, isn't always exactly the problem. It's very often another problem, which then very quickly turns into a feeling of overwhelm. But if you try to apply it, a technique or a solution for overwhelm, when the real problem is something else, you wouldn't be able to really solve that problem. It sounds like it goes a lot. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with our Ross Green's work. Um, it's more of in, in childhood issues, but uh, with the explosive child, he has this uh, collaborative problem solving approach. And, and he talks about, you know, often when... Uh, we try to solve problems and they don't work. The reason is because we didn't identify the correct problem that we're trying to solve. Exactly. In fact, that seems to be like the number one issue that I think people with ADHD, if they want to start coming up with solutions, Mm -hmm. need to do is correctly identifying the problem. So these characters, and I'll explain them to you, but they don't necessarily, the characters themselves don't necessarily embody every single problem you have. Mm -hmm that it's more like they would take over with that problem. So we can start with the character. Yes, let's uh, get get some examples. Okay, so let's start with Steady Eddie. He's kind of boring. (laughs) He follows the rules. He does what he's supposed to. It was good to have one Steady Eddie on the bus, right? (laughs) You have to, yeah, non-ADD or Steady Eddie does not have ADD, I guess. The thing is that surprises people very often is if they take a little questionnaire or a self-test, they come out as steady Eddie. I mean, a lot of steady Eddie. And if you think about it, you really cannot go through life if you don't have steady Eddie driving a great deal of the time, even with ADHD. So probably most of the time you do have steady Eddie driving the bus. Then we have uh, another character that is very big with ADD. And that's Whiny Winnie. And Whiny Winnie is like a picture sort of a two to four-year-old where her favorite word is no, and I don't feel like it. And if you try to make her do something she's not very interested in, she will throw a tantrum. And at this point, I've got to say, these characters have nothing to do with your personality. They have nothing to do with what you show to the outside world. So you can have a very strong Whiny Winnie driving your bus, but to the outside world, you're you look like steady Eddie. So it can be a, a process of you are internally yeah. uh, you know, saying, oh, I don't want to do this. And right. Even there can though be stuff you, yeah. Okay. All that stuff you procrastinate on just because you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. That's whiny winny, kind of throwing a tantrum. Okay. So, no, I don't want to take out the garbage. That's boring. I don't want to take it out. <laughs> and, and also the genders of these characters are completely irrelevant. You know, I tried to divide them 50-50, but completely irrelevant. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you can picture a a business executive with a very strong, dominant, whiny Winnie in his head that nobody knows (laughs) but him, (laughs) unless he procrastinates too much on things that don't get done. Another strong character can be impatient Iggy. And impatient Iggy is the person who just wants everything to be fast. Mm -hmm. I want it fast. I want it now. I want it yesterday, if not sooner. Mm So impatient Iggy would be the character who might take shortcuts, who might cut corners, 
who gets speeding tickets, perhaps. Impatient Iggy isn't all bad. I was going to ask that because I, you know, because yeah. I think shortcuts you're looking for efficiency. Exactly. So it can be, impatient Iggy may be very innovative. If impatient Iggy is innovative, yeah, that's brilliant. And so it could be that people who invented things had a very strong impatient Iggy, but in the process of inventing and trial and error, they had to make impatient Iggy take a back seat. So it's sort of like if you have impatient Iggy, theoretically, it's good, but on a task level, it can be a problem. Well, it's interesting because as you as you you describe them, like hmm, is because I'm always like searching for ways to make like work processes more efficient, yeah. and like anytime I can, you know, kill two birds with one stone, like if I can, you know, have something do two purposes or more with one uh, work task, like I'm all about that. And yeah. so, like, maybe impatient Iggy is driving my bus more than I even realize. In a it, good way. Yeah, in, in, in a good way, because so I can't stand repetitive pro- processes. Like, it's it's painful to me. Yeah. Now, impatient Iggy at a sort of a meta level of mm-hmm. how can we speed up this boring process mm. <laughs> is a really good so we thing. Can, so we can be very cerebral. Yes. Like, that's where, it, that's it, where he's in his zone of genius, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I would say a lot of geniuses who came up with good processes, you could say impatient Iggy at a high level was driving that need. But then if they actually succeeded in creating something genius, they needed to pay a lot of really detailed attention to the trial and error part. Mm-hmm. What worked, what didn't work. That's where you don't want impatient Iggy right. driving. Right. Probably need so to tap on, on a Steady Eddie to, to finish a process. <laughs> so much Steady Eddie. Yeah. yeah. So here, now we've got some more kind of dysfunctional characters. All right. Let's bring in the family. Uh, yes, the family. <laughs> so here comes the big one, Overwhelmed Oscar. Mm. He seems to be the dominant character of ADD people these days. You're <laughs> overwhelmed all the time. Mm-hmm. So Overwhelm is sort of a, you can imagine it's triggered by the phrase, it's too much. For some people, it can be too many words on a page, like a a page of writing can appear very dense and that makes them overwhelmed. For some people, it could be having to hear directions or instructions coming at them and they're not able to write them down. Like for me, that would bring on overwhelm because Mm -hmm. my hearing modality isn't my best modality for learning. Mm -hmm. Some people actually, I had a client recently who was not one to use a calendar and I I had him start to use a calendar and a planner. And what he came to realize is seeing even three entries in a day in his planner suddenly made him feel like tense and overwhelmed. Mm. And that's where overwhelm is kind of lying to you. It was saying too much, too much, and it was getting him all tense. So that's where overwhelmed Oscar in his case was a dominant driver. So I I do have to ask what you tell him. Well, so we had to deal with, was this the truth? Did you really have too much to do? Or was it seeing it on the page, bringing out the overwhelm? And that was the case in Mm -hmm. his case. So you can't say, well, I'm never going to use a calendar because seeing a lot of things on a page make me overwhelmed. You sort of have to think what would be a good way of doing a calendar and dealing with the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And maybe it would have to be when you look at your calendar, just covering everything up and uncovering one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Now, in some cases, people should have more of an overwhelmed Oscar telling them they're overcommitting. 
and their overwhelmed Oscar is kind of asleep in the back, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> mm. And so what happens is they overcommit. They don't really have a sense of time. They you know, maybe use a calendar, maybe not. And then maybe suddenly overwhelm hits. And in that case, it's not lying. It's reality. It's telling you even Superman couldn't get done everything that you, you say you're going to get done. So you've got people with ADD that can be opposite ends of the spectrum there. I, I do think that overwhelm Oscar, that, yeah. that, that has probably been a... Um, probably one of my most uh, instructive teachers that have really um, uh, while has challenged me and in different uh, phases of my life has been the, that when overwhelm Oscar would ride the bus, it was sort of my wake up call for like, okay, like I need to, you know, start saying no, like I'm passing mm-hmm. out Halloween candy because it is, you know, and that's, that's something that I've worked on and, and made a lot of progress on over the last, you know, maybe five to seven years. And uh, you know, one of the things I, I talk about when I present is that um, that little word "no" is our most powerful word in our productivity vocabulary. And so, by default, when someone asks asks me if I can do something as a rule for myself, I just say no. And then after I'm out of that, I look at my calendar. I'll see can I actually do that? And then if it turns out that I can. I'll get back to that person and say, you know what? I just reviewed my calendar and, and I, if it's still an opportunity, I would still like to do that. Yeah. So that way it avoids that, that overcommitment and, and just saying yes, because it sounds like a good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Actually a, a phrase I suggest to people because very often saying no is too big a step <laughs> for somebody who's a pleaser. So, so the phrase can be, let me check my calendar and mm-hmm. get back to you. Yeah. So it's a, it eases them into the ability to <laughs> say an outright no. <laughs> and maybe I just do the no so I don't have the obligation of getting back to somebody. <laughs> so. Well, that's really smart. Yeah, because if you're not going to be good at the follow through, sure, it's better to not even raise their expectations in the first place. That's right. Keep, keep those expectations really low. And then you can, yeah. you know, there'll be nothing but happy when you get back with the positive yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another way you can practice saying no is you go into a store where you know a salesperson is going to ask if they can help you. And then you say, no, I'm just looking. I mean, it's like a little mini practice of the word no. <laughs> Have you ever seen Jai Jung's uh, talk, this TED talk on uh, rejection proof? No. Where he like goes out. No. Yeah, he, he, he goes out and like tries to get rejected. Because um, he's ah. realizing he was having a hard time uh, saying like with his Ooh. fear of someone saying no to him. Yeah, um, it was, it's a great TED talk. He was actually he was on the uh, the podcast. I, I wish I was one of those podcasters that can just roll off what episode he was on, but I can't. So um, if you look up the episode, I think it's called Rejection Proof. You'll find it. I like that. Yeah, the, there are a lot of people that are terrified of rejection, which is yet another character that oh, we'll get who's to. That? Uh, that's actually emotional Emma. So anything dealing with shame and fear, that's going to be emotional. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk about that one. We we love shame. We love shame and fear on this podcast. (laughs) That sounds really bad. (laughs) I usually save her for last because she's like the best. (laughs) Okay. You know what? Let's let's save her for last then. Okay, we well, gotta make we'll, sure we leave, leave gonna, enough time for emotional Emma. Okay, well, we'll, we'll uh, keep people on. And, and she's another one. There, in some people, she might be their dominant mm-hmm. driver, and in others, she's like, eh, you know, barely on the bus. You hardly notice her. Yeah, this is where people. Well, all people are very different, but people with ADD can be so different from each other, mm-hmm. and it's kind of which characters tend to be their dominant drivers on the bus. 
All right, so we've got Oscar, and he can be triggered by a number of things. So he can be triggered by too much to do. And if there really is too much to do, he's not lying. He's, mm-hmm. appro- you know, he's being appropriate. But in a lot of people with ADD, he can be triggered sort of lying. You know, he's coming up and he's telling you there's too much to do. Mm-hmm. And if you can take a few breaths and cover up some of all that stuff you see and really break down what you have to do, you might think, whoa, I, I could do this. But what happens instead is you never get to that point. You just shut down. Right. People, we're trying to solve problems. problems in our head when they, when there's too many moving parts and we need to see mm. those externally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it visually can be really important, but also knowing what you're seeing and knowing what you're seeing is correct. Is, yeah. It's yeah. important too. And, and that's where you get into something like a sense of time, a sense of being able to more or less accurately estimate how long a different step a task is and, going to do. And we were, we, I think we were talking about uh, how you help uh, your, your clients with, with understanding time. And I think we, time do, sense. I think yeah. we do virtually the same thing with just calling it something a little bit differently. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Time sense is having the ability to know how long things are going to take. Maybe not to the minute, but more or less a realistic idea of that. And people with ADD, I'm going to throw out a percentage here. I would say, you know, at least 95% of people with ADD have a poor time sense. And I think the reason is, is they go through life not really assimilating in their head in that kind of mental filing cabinet that we're supposed to have. And most of us hate filing. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, the filing cabinet, we're not filing away. How long did that thing take me? Mm-hmm. And so there can be something that we've done our whole lives, and we still have a very exaggerated or very minute sense of how long things take. So in most cases, we have an unrealistic sense of how short something is going to be. Mm -hmm. Something actually will take much longer than we think it will. However, with ordinary tasks that whiny Winnie doesn't want to do, or that's where impatient Iggy tells you that it's going to take long when actually it could be very Mm -hmm. minor. You know, right now we're in, uh, we just started the second week of my uh, coaching and accountability groups. And so right now we're, we're spending a lot of time on that time awareness piece. And uh, so one of the things that, that um, the way I try to teach it in the group is, you know, we have to sort of bypass our sense of time because our sense of time is using our, our biological neural networks from our temporal lobes mm-hmm. to our, our frontal cortex. And those networks don't work very well. There's a lot of congestion yeah. in those those communication networks in those regions of the brain. So by by being sort of aware of that, the way that that um, we're working on this is we look at every task that we have to do, especially those routine tasks, those things that we never really factor in, take time, mm-hmm. right? Make a guess on how. So we're first yeah. tapping in. What does our sense of time say? Then we track it, and then we develop time wisdom. And so we have to that's sort of bypass time, sense. time sense towards time wisdom. That's, that's the way I describe it. I so, like that phrase, time wisdom. Yeah, the time sense tool that I started with, gosh, like way a long time ago, maybe like 2002, something like that. It, it's very much like that. So that you write down how long you, first of all, you get very clear what is the beginning and end point of what you're measuring. Mm-hmm. Then you write down how long, how many minutes you think it'll take. You write down how many minutes it really took. And what you do on a time sense tool is you chart these 
and you start to look at the commonality. So you also say, how much longer did reality take? Like how many times longer was it? And if you look at a whole bunch of tasks, you get your, I call it your magic number. So someone could say everything I time was three times longer than I thought, or five times longer than I thought. What's yours? Believe it or not, I have to say this. I, I don't have a poor time sense. Really? <laughs> I, I really don't. And that's why I think I never had a clue I was ADHD. <laughs> I mean, I worked in a corporate environment. Mm. I worked with heavy deadlines. I was great with deadlines. So I kind of fell apart when I left corporate and mm. I didn't have accountability and I didn't have deadlines and I just wasn't doing anything. But I never, um, you know, I had no trouble with meeting deadlines or estimating how long things take or scheduling things. I, I guess I don't have that poor time sense, but it seems to me most people with ADD or at least those that go for help, you know, do yes. have a poor time sense. All right. So we got Oscar, yeah. we got Winnie, we got Iggy. Iggy. Now we've got uh, Helpless Hannah. Okay. Now Helpless Hannah, you can imagine is the damsel in distress who is wringing her hands and waiting for someone to rescue her. Helpless Hannah and overwhelmed Oscar can be mistaken for each other. Hmm. Overwhelmed Oscar comes from the phrase, it's too much. Helpless Hannah comes from the phrase of, I don't know. Like, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. I don't know the answers to these questions, so I can't move forward. Who tends to say I'm stuck? Well, well, I guess that would be Hannah. I mean, Oscar is stuck as well. Okay. They're both stuck. But the difference is, why are they stuck? What triggers mm-hmm. it? Helpless Hannah, and a person should get really good at recognizing when this is happening. Helpless Hannah is stuck because there is something that she needs to do, she doesn't know how to do. Very often, it's something like planning. And so when, let's just imagine a, a job where your boss comes up to you and, and says, you know, here's this great big fat project, okay? Give me a project plan and a timetable by tomorrow. I mean, I have clients that this happens to. Yeah. And it's suddenly like, <laughs> Yeah, it's daunting. You know, huge feeling of overwhelm, panic, et cetera. But the reason they're overwhelmed is they have to do something they don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. So if they develop a good time sense, if they learn how to plan, they're no longer going to feel helpless at that. They may not feel overwhelmed at having to do that. But let's say that all they're identifying is that overwhelm feeling. It's like, oh, okay, I'll take this webinar about overwhelm and that'll help me. Well, no, because it's not teaching you how to plan. Because it also included 140 slides and all these terms you didn't know. So now you're just overwhelmed about the webinar. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you... If overwhelm is the, the overwhelming feeling, yeah, you might get overwhelmed by a webinar. But let's say the real problem that made you switch to overwhelm was that helplessness that you didn't exactly identify mm-hmm. because it, it went very quickly to overwhelm. So if you can ask yourself why, like why am I feeling this way? And ask it even a few times if you have to, you'll get to, well, what started it? Your boss and, telling you. you know, and I imagine when you say to, to ask that that self question, really doing so in a in a very sort of mindful way, in a curious mm. way, not in a, not in the judgmental. Yes. Oh, why am I doing this? Yes. <laughs> I call yes. it the, the curious why versus the judgmental why. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you can call it, or just say the technique of the the three whys, the mm. five why. I can five 
wise because sometimes it takes five to get down to the real root cause of a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ask it from curiosity, from um, a desire to know. Okay, yeah. so we have and, a and sometimes the why is a what. So sometimes you get to the why by saying, well, what could I do to change this? Or what, could, what would have helped something okay. that, that could kind of get you to the, the root issue here. Okay. Shooting my boss is not thing like what would help <laughs> no basically you have to learn how to plan <laughs> right it's like maybe internally as an imaginative exercise maybe that feels cathartic for a moment but that's <laughs> going to lead for a lot more problems <laughs> right exactly yes well then you'll have prison time and lots of time to deal yeah, with it's it. all structured for you too but it, interesting you brought up the judgmental because the next character on the bus is critical calvin mm. that's the judgmental character so critical calvin also can have a good side because Calvin is the analytical one. Some people have an extremely dominant Calvin as their bus driver, second guessing everything. But Calvin is the one who would say, well, on one hand, this looks really good. But on the other hand, it could be really bad. Calvin is the one who will remind you of everything you ever did wrong, Mm -hmm. of all the mistakes you ever made of all the things that could go south. Some people have a really hard time taking action, making a decision or moving forward because Calvin will not let go of the wheel of their bus. (laughs) So Calvin is Mr. Analysis Paralysis. Oh, I'm familiar with that one. Have you ever read the book um, uh, 10% Happier by Dan Harris? No, I have to keep telling you no. That just feels awful. (laughs) I think, gosh, you know, I really have to read more of these. Highly recommend it. uh, if, if you're looking to get into mindfulness and you're also like a very like a, just a tend to be a skeptical person, um, great book to read. But he talks about uh, like in the, in the beginning of the book, how uh, what he wanted to name his book, but his publisher wouldn't approve it was my inner voice is an asshole. Um, and I like that. And it's and, and I, and I bring that up often in my coaching groups because it's yeah. true. If we can, you know. If we can identify that, like we are our inner inner voice, and it's gonna play, but we could also change the station. Yeah, right. Like we don't yeah. have to. We don't and have and to just accept it. For dealing yes. with with that, with Calvin, with but first, a person has to recognize that they have that strong inner voice, and that it may be misleading them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people that are extremely analytical to the point of paralysis, uh-huh. and will kind of, you know, naysay everything in their mind. They're just being real, you know, in their own mind. They yeah, they point to the evidence as, as to a, why what they're doing is, is justified. Yeah. yeah. And it feels very justified to them, but it, it completely stops them from taking action. There was a conference I attended a gazillion years ago by these internet marketing guys. And, and now I, I can't think of the name you know what they were, but I was impressed with them and they were in New York and they gave this free conference, filled a whole ballroom. If you can imagine a, an entire ballroom in a major hotel with nothing but folding chairs, aisles and aisles and aisles of folding mm. chairs, no tables, just chairs, eight hours of guys talking. And I was taking notes like crazy. I was just eating this stuff up because I love learning mm. about this stuff. My implementation is uh, not up there <laughs> with my learning. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of good intentions. A lot, well, a, a lot of good intentions. Yeah. But, you know, there are things that tend to paralyze me. I think one of the most important takeaways I got from that conference was them stressing that, hey, we know we're, we're giving you an overwhelming amount of information of things you could do. Maybe you should do. 
Just do any one of them. Doesn't matter which one, any one of them, just take action. I like that. And their thing was, you know, forget the, which one is the right one to do first. Just take action. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's going to be very hard to do. Absolutely. You're thinking, well, maybe this other action would be better. <laughs> you know, when it comes to okay. to, uh, to decision-making and the, that analysis paralysis, you know, there's a, um, there was a really good, I think it was a, a, um, a Ted talk. Um, it was on, it was on decision-making and they were talking about, you know, what makes a decision hard is when the things are similar, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and, and that made me feel so validated when I went back to my childhood to think about, uh, the, the, um, the double-edged sword of every Friday, my dad would take me, uh, and we would stop at the bakery and I can get one donut, but I wanted every single one of those donuts yeah. cause they all look delicious. Right. And I had to chew. And that was like, I remember almost like panicking cause I couldn't figure out yeah. what to, to decide. And one of my favorite decision-making strategies now, when there's two decisions that have pretty similar pros and cons, I flip a coin. Oh, that's a good. It's as good as anything. It is. Because it allows you to take an action. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the thing about too many options is something that's taught in marketing a great deal. If you offer people too many mm-hmm. options, they are less likely to, to that's buy. Right. That's right. If you offer them two options. That's why I love stores like, like Trader Joe's and, and Ace, you know, hardware versus like the mm-hmm. big, huge stores. Like, you know, I don't know if you have a Costco in your area. Like, to me, that's a nightmare. Like, I will uh, not go to places like that. Yeah. So that's where Oscar would say, yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Calvin has the good side and that he likes to analyze. And if you have a, an impatient Iggy that has you doing very impulsive things without thinking them through, if you can bring Calvin out to temper that, that, that could be a very good thing. Mm. So, it sounds, so it sounds like really at, from, from what I'm hearing about all of these characters, that all of these characters actually play a vital role. It, I'm wondering if there is a, a the metacognitive character somewhere that taps into when uh, each role well, can that be helpful. Would, that might be you. Uh, that's what you want to train yourself as the, the owner of this bus, mm. the, you know, the boss who decides who should drive when. I mean, I, I guess you could say, or Steady Eddie, you know, bring Steady Eddie in to kind of think about it all. But really what we're trying to do is train ourselves as the owners of the bus to make wise decisions. Mm. And you can't really make wise decisions if you're an absentee owner and you're not paying attention who's driving and you don't know who drove the bus into a ditch or totally got lost off some meandering road instead of staying on the highway. And it's been, you know, 7,000 miles since the last oil change. And, uh, and now you just realize, Oh, how long has it been on E for, um, (laughs) we could go pretty far in this analogy, but what I'm actually going to do, uh, cause I know we have some more characters, uh, uh, coming is first, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I know we have some more characters, including, I forget what you said the name was. The, the emotional one, Emma. Emotional Emma. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about emotional Emma because I think that we're going to relate a lot to emotional Emma. So uh, we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by members of ADHD Rewired's coaching and accountability groups. People all over the world are getting their ADHD rewired. People like Mike, who joined us from Germany. This is his ADHD Rewired Coaching Group story. 
Before this group, I spent between 200 and then 300 euro per month for one-on-one coaching. And I even paid one and a half thousand euro for a neuro feedback. And all of this stuff was helpful, but because of this money, I was a bit hesitating if I should spend another thousand bucks for this program. And I'm glad I did because of this group everything changed for me and and i mean literally everything i tried to take care about my add all the time but i forgot me and and to see all you guys showing your vulnerabilities in what area you struggle and don't hesitating to be honest without all of these things that are going on and and, and what what you have all shared it's like and uh, but on the other side as well what you have all accomplished i mean during this group in your life and uh, to see how successful one can be with ADD. It changed everything. I mean, you hear about all those people, uh, Michael Phelps or Richard Branson, or I read about those people and I always doubt if this is really true or, or if the story is just made up to impress someone. But to see you guys live in real life, you, Eric, what you have done with this program, what you can accomplish as an entrepreneur, it gave me so much confidence. The tips and the tech techniques we got about productivity and project management, they weren't really a surprise for me because I read about productivity and time management since I'm 18 years old. But to do these assignments in the context of a crew was a complete game changer for me because I was able the first time in my life to see all those things from another perspective. And also I knew some of these things for decades now. Now I'm doing this, these things the first time in my life with intention and with awareness because I guess that the biggest win for me in this program are not the tools about productivity. The biggest win for me is awareness, is a mindfulness. And I know it was only possible because of this group. Thanks, Mike, for sharing your ADHD rewired coaching group story here in the podcast. What would it mean for you to get your ADHD rewired? To learn more, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. And prepare to get your ADHD rewired. All right, we are back on the bus with Bonnie Minku. So who do we have next? So next we have disorganized Derek. And he sounds like pretty straightforward. Okay, we can picture what he's like. He's actually very complex. And this, actually thinking of how to teach about disorganized Derek or just about organization in general for the the training program I'm creating, it led me to a, a whole new model of thinking of organization. So disorganized Derek, if if he were a person, you would think of him as just kind of a mess, you know, Maybe his shirt's inside out and he just looks kind of messy, like he didn't bother to comb his hair. And he, if he's driving the bus, he's lost the directions. and He's not sure where to go. And he doesn't really remember what time we're supposed to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's clearly disorganized. But the reason he's complex when you try dealing with solutions is you want to get into understanding what makes the result of disorganization And this is where things can split between your nature and your brain. So 
I would say in my case, I have a disorganized nature and that I can work in complete clutter around me, which hopefully you don't see on the camera, but clutter doesn't, I don't even notice it. I can put things, and this is a bad thing. I put things down and don't notice I put them mm -hmm. down and you know where I put them down. So by nature, if you look at my home, unless I just had the cleaning people, <laughs> you know, it looks very disorganized, but my brain is very organized. I can develop organized systems. I can develop, I did develop a clear clutter system that is very ADD friendly. I can come up with a system for any of my clients when they describe their issues you know, right on the spot. So my brain is organized. My nature is disorganized. What you may see is disorganization, but if you didn't know me, you might be surprised to know that I can come up with this system really easily. The opposite is someone who whose nature is organized, so they crave systems, they crave organization. Their brain is not delivering it for them. Mm, I identify their brain, with that. <laughs> so their their brain may bring out or you know overwhelmed Oscar when they have to think of creating a system or helpless Hannah, they're not able to do it. And so they have this result of disorganized Derek. They hate it. <laughs> they're ashamed of it. So they're, they may never invite anybody over. They may put off. Well, inviting people over is a reason is like the whole reason to like our motivation behind like cleaning your home is it's my only motivation because <laughs> <laughs> I could live in it cluttered and not, Luckily, I have a cleaning lady. It's not dirty. <laughs> when you said that the organized minds, but or the organized nature, but your brain is not delivering on it. So when, when yeah. you said that, so th this morning, um, you know, as I'm sort of, I'm transitioning to, uh, I, I just got a new office space and I'm starting to move stuff into that office space. And my, uh, and I had this, um, this bag that's part of my, one of my lighting kits that was uh -huh. in my wife's car and she like brought it into the house and I was, you know, I was still drinking my coffee and usually like there's an unspoken rule in my home. It's like, we don't ask me any like real questions, you know, before Adderall and coffee. Um, but I was still drinking my coffee and she asked me, oh, what should I do with this? And I was just like, uh, I, um, uh, I, 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 my brain froze and I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like just put it. So I don't know. Like, and so when he said that, like, I, I wanted to know where that place is. Like, uh -huh. But like I, my brain is like, nope, that, that part of the filing room, that's locked right now. You can't have access to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just know nobody opens the door until after Adderall and coffee. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So you may have totally different drivers on your bus, like pre-coffee, post-coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no, that's a really interesting concept though. The idea of the, the nature versus what your brain is doing. Yeah, so the characters can almost help a person visualize who's driving the bus that's leading to this disorganized result. And I actually came up with the model of these four quadrants. So the first quadrant is somebody who's organized in both their brain and their nature. Mm -hmm. Steady Eddie's just driving their bus. No one else is driving. And probably no one with ADD is in that quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> Very few. <laughs> Quadrant two is the one that I would say is like me, disorganized nature, but an organized brain. Quadrant three is the opposite. So quadrant quadrant three is the most problematic for people because I think it brings in the shame mm. a lot. They're, they're, people are judging themselves very harshly. So the critical mm. Calvin may come out, you know, saying, you can't let anybody see your house looking like this. And then there's quadrant four, who... 
guess what? Disorganized in both okay. <laughs> nature and brain. And those are the people I, I kind of think of as creative kinds of people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just not all hung up on organization. Mm-hmm. They may not need to worry about organization very much a lot of the time until maybe suddenly they do. So I'm sort of visualizing an artist, maybe a, a painter, a successful painter who earns a living as a painter, lucky, envy them. <laughs> but suddenly they get booked for a big gallery show. Do you paint? And a tight deadline. Yeah, I do. But not this year. I've been creating a training program this year. I had to totally put my art away because I, my brain can't. When I'm doing anything artistic, my brain gets pulled too strongly to that. And then I start neglecting business. So mm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a good multitasker when it comes to major project stuff. I, uh, I talked to someone a while, long time ago um, who you know, shared this phrase with me of a multi-tracker, which is different than multi-tasking. Um, the idea of multi-tracking is being able to really give the attention a specific area of life really needs to, to help it mm. thrive. Right. And I struggle yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, I got involved. Actually, I, I, I am more of a painter, but I got involved in these intriguing little mosaic figures I was creating to the point where I was you know, showing up for my coaching clients. And that was about it. <laughs> you you got to do more than that. Yeah. To run a business. So, yeah, eventually our, our property taxes going up in my town was the wake up call. <laughs> really needed to pay more attention to business. It's so starving artisting. I don't really like it. <laughs> But that started a whole creative thing of creating this training and it's leading to all these different creative directions. So, it, so it's okay. So back to this artist who's in quadrant four, they suddenly have to pay attention to their deadlines mm-hmm. and they have to get their act together for a gallery show. And if their brain isn't really telling them how to do that, that can be kind of a panic time. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they don't have the shame issue, I think. And this is at least the way I'm envisioning in this model. Because both their nature and their brain are disorganized, there's not the, you know, clashing going on. Do you on. think that there is not the shame there because there's lack of, or at least less self-awareness that this is a problem? It could be. It could be. Or I think, you know, I think they're aware they're, mm-hmm. they're home might be messy, their studio might be messy, but maybe all their friends are the same way. You know, they're just... You know, just cause like, because of uh, habituation, you know, we tend to not, as we were talking about before, we tend to, our mess is around us and we tend to not really like see the mess. Unless you're quadrant three, then you see them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people that are organized by nature can get so, dis- if they're ADD, can get mm-hmm. so distracted by the mess that they can't work in it. You know, I, I used to like, I've always been a fairly disorganized person. Um, it, in the last few years, it's really been bothering me more. Um, and now they, you know, going through a, a move is really motivated oh. me to take on minimalism and I'm really, yeah. and I'm trying to take on like the ADHD, like version of minimalism, which is like sort of minimalism, you know, yeah. or some, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like in the spirit of, um, but, um, cause I'm really craving simplicity. Yeah. I'm, I'm craving it more as I get older for sure. So I, I still have the tendency that if something comes into my home, it never leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm wanting to bring less in. Yeah. Yeah. Especially paper. Oh, paper's the worst. Don't give me papers. Yeah. 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 Cut back the mail and all of that. So those are all the different characters that can ride or drive along with disorganized Derek. Okay. And again, it's all about solution. You know, what do we do about this problem? So it's recognizing which characters are actually causing the problem. 
to know what the solution is going to be. So if you're quadrant two, if you know how to organize, but you just don't bother, <laughs> the solution can be developing a ritual like a habit that you put at least certain things away mm-hmm. every time you use them. And if you do it habitually enough, it becomes kind of unconscious and you don't have whiny whinny crying. I don't feel like it all the time. You know, one of the things that I've been doing is using uh, uh, in, in uh, behavioral terms, we call it an overcorrection procedure, mm. where it's like when you when you recognize that you put something in a place that really is not where it needs to go, is yeah. like really like stopping, retracing your whole steps, picking it back up. Like and bring up to that point where you just put it down, but not putting it down. So it's kind of retracing. Um, I've done that in a lot of different areas in my life and I find it to be very helpful. It's pretty cool. What's it called again? Overcorrection, overcorrection Mm, procedure. Okay. Yeah. Pretty cool. I used to work with a lot of uh, uh, board certified behavior analysts and and these Ah. are people who understand behavior from a very like analytical, like these people Mm -hmm. do like Excel stuff in that it's like makes your head spin. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they like that one. Yeah. I have a rule, I say, if somebody's developing a ritual to try to create a habit, that if you remember that you didn't do that ritual thing, no matter where you are, no matter when it is, if humanly possible, you go back and you do it no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Which is really annoying. Totally annoying and, and it works. And that's, the, and that's what will, yeah, bring it into your brain. So it's sort of the annoyance factor. You want to embrace the annoyance factor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Cause like, I, I almost like, I hate saying this. I almost hear my mom's voice in my head sometimes. Cause she's always complaining about stuff on the counter in the kitchen. Mm. And now like I'm finding stuff on the counter and the kitchen's driving me crazy. And it's like, but I'm also like, I'm the source of the stuff on the counter in the kitchen, yeah. you know? So it's like, oh, it's oh, okay. It's my own doing. And you know, it's not just that I, where does this place go? Like most of the stuff I could just throw away and it's mm-hmm. often piles or just delayed decisions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll admit a shameful secret here. I wash and reuse tinfoil and saran wrap. <laughs> you wash weird? it. Okay. I want, I mean, I carefully wash it. No germs. Yeah. <laughs> So my, uh, I know my, on the rack and reuse. <laughs> my kidding. in-laws do use, uh, uh, they wash plastic silverware, plasticware. I, I, I do that too. You're very green. You You're very green. I don't know what is that. Well, thank you. Oh yeah. Well, let's put a nice spin on that. There you go. <laughs> a weird obsession. <laughs> plastic wrap. I never thought heard like plastic. Isn't that yeah. Unless it's filthy, but you know. You just let it cover a dish or something with plastic wrap. Well, I think I've probably reused tinfoil if like one side, like if we yeah. make, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can do you that. Run it under hot water all the. Well, I don't think oh. I clean it. I just, if it's, if it's clean enough, then I'll just reuse it. Oh, okay. Well, it depends. Like it, if like raw chicken was in it, you definitely <laughs> would want to wash it. Is there a distracted Dave that's on the bus where like he takes wrong turns and goes down rabbit holes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's sort of funny because distraction is sort of everything for mm-hmm. us. I don't have a, a character. I like the name. No, I don't have a. It's distracted, yours. You can use it. <laughs> I don't have a distracted Dave, and I'm not sure why. Except maybe it's just the idea that we can get distracted in just about anything and everything. So you know, all of us would have that. But maybe it should be a character. Hmm. Put it to a vote, my people. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I bet if you sort if you crowdsource this and yeah. say what what you know what characters have I missed, you know it's 
Cause well, our... that's how I came up. That's how I got Oscar actually. Oh, great. Somebody was taking my, I used to give a procrastination transformation training. And I think that's when I just suddenly sort of came up with these characters and actually they were in a, a boardroom. They were sitting around a conference table initially, but that was sounding a little bit too corporate for some people. But anyway, that's how I introduced the characters and I did not have Oscar and I don't think I had Winnie. It could be like a boardroom B O R E D. Then I would have had Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what, one of my class members said, "Well, I have uh, overwhelmed Oscar and <laughs> Winnie Winnie." And I thought, "Yeah, why didn't I have them? They should have been there." All right, so let's get to uh, now. That- we, okay, your favorite emotional Emma. Yes, emotional Emma is someone that is just leading with emotion and feelings, and. Some people have a very strong emotional Emma, and unfortunately, it's shame-based yeah. feelings. Now, Emma is usually set off by critical Calvin. So it's sort of, if you can picture two kids where one, you know, you think the kid would behave, except his friend sets him off all the time. So that's critical Calvin. He really delights in setting off Emma and helpless Hannah. He'll make some critical remark that then makes Emma feel, oh, God. I'm so ashamed. So it might start with a just a basic procrastination on something. You didn't start exactly when you should have. Mm-hmm. Critical Calvin points that out. And then emotional Emma is so ridden with shame that you don't take action and become even later in starting because now you're avoiding starting because you don't want anyone to know how late you were in starting. So emotional Emma. And you just sort of hope it's just going to go away. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it's this like bury your head in yeah, the sand. And yeah. if I don't deal with it at all, we'll go away. Because it feels so bad to think about it and to deal with it. When somebody is shame-based, they can take an incident and make that something scathing about their entire person, their mm-hmm. entire existence. And that's what emotional Emma does. So it kind of keeps you trapped in that. Um, very similar is fear. So you can have fear of a negative consequence. You can have fear of what people are thinking, Mm -hmm. um, fear of being judged. So if you're always worried about being judged, I would say that's very close to a shame thing, but it might feel like fear. You know, the the idea of fear of being judged, I have a a, a little bit of a different take on that when when I'm working with clients. And that's that, that as human beings, we are always judging people. You know, it's like, so it's, Fear of being judged, you don't have to fear it. It's happening. Like Yeah, you're being we, judged anyway. Right. Something, so what. like we have to decide like, does that person matter? Yeah. Right. Because you're if you're judging the person who you're afraid of, and you say, Well, what's your judgment of that person? It's very often someone you don't respect an awful lot or you don't like. <laughs> who's in your life anyway. Right. So it's like like, an in-law or something. (laughs) Right. So it's like asking yourself that question, does this person really matter to me? Are they part of your inner circle? I mean, that's, are they a role model for you? Yeah. Do you hold them up as someone you admire? Mm -hmm. If not, then why do you care what they think? Right. I love, I love the, uh, the, I forget who's, who, uh, this is attributed to, but, uh, what somebody else thinks about you is none of your business. Mm, Yeah. I like it. It's true. Yeah. You get to think anything you want about other people. They get to think about you. Right, right. So, uh, I mean, the whole, even just the whole idea of like, don't judge other people. It's like, you're telling me not to be human because we all are, yeah. it's like what we do with those judgments. That's different. Yeah. 
Well, what did they say that the first impression is made in the first seven seconds of walking into a room? So yeah, you want to be aware that you're judged if you're going on a job interview. You don't want to look like disorganized Derek. Right. <laughs> but uh, emotional Emma probably creates more havoc than just about any of the other characters mm -hmm. if you have a strong driver who's emotional Emma. Now, of course, there's a lot of people who barely ever know she's on the bus and they're lucky in that case. You know what I found? Because uh, my, my primary mode of working with clients is, is doing groups. And uh, we know that. And I think that the reason why group is so powerful is if we look at uh, the research from Brene Brown, who you know talks a lot about shame and, and uh, she talks about how shame it can't survive when we shine light on it. So mm. shame does not like to be spoken, right? So when we share the things that we're kind of feeling bad about or feeling ashamed about, and it's met with empathy and it's met with understanding, mm. shame can't survive. And I've worked with so many people in my, my group setting who come into the group thinking that they just need, need to learn the, these productivity strategies. They've mm, dealt with yeah. the emotional stuff. And now they're hearing all this, you know, there are the members of the group sort of sharing their things and they realize, oh, there's more there that, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't even realize. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think that shame is one of the most significant influences in, uh, with ADHD. I that, would agree that, with that. That really keeps people stuck and it, it, it fuels comorbid disorders, anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it's, it, that's why I just love group because you can't like one-on-one -on -one work. You can tackle some of that stuff, but not in the same way as you can in group. And, and from my experiences as, as a, as a coaching clinician. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the program I'm starting now is a membership based training. So there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity for the group share stuff. There's something I suggest with individual clients with shame. Mm -hmm. is an, another thing you can do with it, which is sort of like shining the light, is imagine that whoever is speaking the, the shame messages to you, put them on a witness stand in a trial setting and ask them, you know, what's the proof of this mm -hmm. thing that you're saying here? So if someone made a mistake and now they're telling themselves, I'm completely incompetent and I shouldn't even be in this job, you know, well, okay, you made this mistake, but what's the proof you're completely incompetent? You know, aren't you pretty competent at 95% of the yeah. job? Yeah, it's, that's yeah. CBT. It's using that using the evidence yeah. to, to counter those points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big one also for if somebody's alone for writing out. If let's say you have more of a fear of moving forward, what's the best case, the worst case, most likely case that will happen if you do? move forward and, and then the same for if you don't. And almost yeah. always it's gonna come out a lot better if you do move forward. So then you're sort of, you're trying to make it more analytical. In a way, right, Calvin sets off the shame, but then when you have to deal with the shame, you almost wanna bring in the good side of Calvin to be more analytical about it and not get just stuck in that emotional pit. It's such a great, it's, it's a great metaphor. I really, really like it. Now you like the bus. Okay. As, as an artist, have you, have you drawn or painted the, what these people characters I, look like? Oh, that would be fun. I haven't. I'm tr I had characters I came up with. Oh, many years ago, probably about mm, at least 15 years ago that typified ADD versus ADHD, the 
you know, the inattentive versus hyperactive. Mm -hmm. And I had a number of friends who are illustrators then, and I had an illustrator friend that I hired him to create an illustration that I have now on mouse pads. Gosh, I still have a bunch of those mouse pads. <laughs> I was selling them at ADA one year, um, mouse pads, t-shirts, but they're characters of a, a, a typical sort of daydreaming. She was sort of like me. She was at her computer, there was a painting in the background. Everything was half finished. The inbox was overflowing. Her coffee was spilling because she was sort of daydreaming. <laughs> Inattentive. And then I had hyperactive, which was kind of this Wall Street guy on a treadmill with a whole different, all these different screens of different cities all over the world showing stock reports. And his dog was also on a little treadmill of his own. <laughs> he was walking the dog. So, you know, multitasking in a million ways. So what is this program that you're uh, you're creating that's... Uh, what I'm creating, yeah. it's still in, in pilot at this moment, but about to be launched, I should say on an unsuspecting public. No, it's called Productivity Pathfinder. And uh, depending on anybody listens to this, uh, the, the website is productivitypathfinder.com. And the program at the moment you listen to this will either be open for new members or it'll be a, a waiting list until we open it again. But I'm uh, planning on opening either end of September or early October. And now I've said it. If I don't, it'll be embarrassing. <laughs> the power of accountability. I got to tell power you, it's, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It, it drives me to do so many things. Yeah. You could call it a very, very long training program, but it, I think of it as a, a journey to self-mastery. So it's membership-based. You get information that is given out a little at a time, mm -hmm. non-overwhelming pace. It's entirely self-paced how fast you choose to go through the information. Okay. So it's not like a, a live, then a live. It will have, well, it's got live components and oh. it's got the lessons. So what's taking me a long time is creating yeah. the lessons, which are video and audio and notes and, you know, they're downloadable for people, but then I'll also have live lessons that I'll do every month as well. It's a big and undertaking. I am. Yeah, uh, it, it turned out to be kind of a monster. <laughs> yeah, I know because I, I know I've been I've had a couple of false starts on uh, wow. on launching a membership community for my alumni uh, of my coaching group, and uh, at least the story I'm telling myself is as soon as I get situated in my new office, oh. I'll, the bandwidth will be there to really make that happen. Because uh, I just launched my new website, and now it's the second sort of tier of that is to build out a, a custom platform. Uh, for that, but I, it's it's you know every it can be. time I take a step forward, it's like this is a lot more work than I uh, realized. It's going to so be a lot more work than you realize. Yeah, yeah, I will tell you that. Um, I ended up cobbling a number of software programs together. I should say my webmaster ended up at me on the phone with him. I'm you know hours and hours and days and days and days where we were just for hours on the phone, and it can be a lot more work. It, they're coming out with packages now that are, I think, kind of all in one mm -hmm. that at this point, I'm not going to you know, dump what I have and start new, but. <laughs> well, I so wish you the best of be luck with that launch. Yeah. Uh, definitely yeah. check out Bonnie's website. Uh, if that is something that is of interest to you. The four quadrants that you were mentioning earlier, do you have a, a, an image or, or of that that I can post on my website? Ooh. Uh, not I yet. Do. <laughs> Well, no, I do because I did that less. I did it for the lesson in the program. Yeah, I could send that to you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So we will get that posted on the website now. So we're recording this on what's the date today? It is fifth. Yes, it's September fifth when we're recording this. So this, uh, this actually, this episode may be out 
possibly either next week or the week following. But right now, the new ADHDrewired.com is live. So all of the past episodes where I say erictivers.com slash whatever episode number that is, that will still be valid. But now what we are going to making the switch to ADHDrewired.com slash yeah, whatever episode number this is, you know, it's uh so look at your podcast player and see what episode I think it's be 183, maybe. Um, so you'll see the show notes and uh, if Bonnie gets me that that image. It'll be there and uh, all the links to contact Bonnie and to check out her programs uh, will be there as well. So, Bonnie Minku, thank you so much for for coming on, and uh, thanks for putting up some of the internet glitchiness that's occurred that most no one's really heard because it's, I was all edited out. Um, but there was a, you know, it's it's challenging when you have ADHD and you have to restate a sentence, you know, nine different mm-hmm. times during the course of an hour long conversation because that taxes our working memory, right? It's like, wait, I always it say, wasn't I, nine. It was nothing. I always say the worst question that someone can ask me is, "What did you just say?" Uh, <laughs> like what did I just say? Right, yeah. right exactly, exactly. Yeah. So thank you well, so much. This is great. You're welcome. Great to get a chance to explain my characters. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. I really, uh, I was able to really visualize that. I like and the idea of uh, visualizing them. I'm gonna think, um, you know, maybe hire an illustrator to do it. I don't think I'd be. I'm not a good enough cartoonist kind of person. <laughs> Can you stick figures? Yeah. I mean, that, that can work too. Uh, you know, the, the problem is you get into diversity issues when you start actually showing people. Mm. What am I saying? You know what? All right. I'm, I'm, I've lost my mind. I have images of these people. I've been showing them in my pilot program all along. <laughs> no, they're just not like all on a bus. What, what you just witnessed was that file cabinet just became unlocked. <laughs> yeah. No, I was picturing a cartoon image of them riding the bus. I don't have that. But each individual character I have, and they're in the self-test. And I should probably send you that. Yeah, love to would see it. Would you want to link to that? I, I, would, I would love to link to it. And uh, for all the listeners who are in the ADHD Rewired community on Facebook, would love to, if, if you have ideas or if while you're listening to this, you were illustrating something, Take a picture and post it in our uh, in our Facebook community, and we'll share those with Bonnie. Oh, fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. This was fun. Thank you. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening, and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. Learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Rewired.com. Support ADHD Rewired and help replenish our coaching group scholarship fund by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. Different levels of support get different perks. You can give just a buck or three or five bucks a month or more. Every little bit helps. And it's an awesome way for you to let me know that you value this show. 
the community, and everything else we do. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube to see select interviews and other videos I've made. The ADHD Rewired community is now a secret group on Facebook, so that's one less reason to not just be a passive listener, but to be an active member of our community. Fill out our short screening form at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We screen everyone before they join. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities or on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Quora, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, your family, your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone or even do it for them. And if you really love this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things you really can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher or any other podcast app that supports and accepts ratings and reviews. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Need some ideas on where to start other than Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability? Then I would recommend The One Thing by Gary Keeler. Oh, and if you by any chance know Brene Brown, please let her know how grateful I am for all of her work and what she means to me and the ADHD community, and that she's welcome on my show anytime. And in the one in like 7 billion chance that Brene, you're listening, please come and be a guest. Thanks. This is Eric Tivers reminding you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. And no matter how hard it all feels... Remember, we can do hard things. Until next time.